Okay, welcome to Theology Thursday. Kevin pressing the button immediately on time. Took him five tries to get it right. That's five true. episodes. That's true. Five episodes. Wow, the the chat is spicy already. I like that everybody's talking to each other, saying hi. A lot of talk about um, the hot pepper challenge. Yeah, a lot of talk. Are we going to do that? Is like, is that going to be a, a thing? Yeah, that it's going to happen. It's going to happen again. Um, we're going to bring some other people into it. Yeah, and we are going to increase the spiciness. I don't know if Stan Vitus will survive that. Although, you know, the people who need to be included this time, all, all we'll say is Hollister needs a little bit of representation on the yeah, spicy they're, pepper they're challenge. Gonna, they're they're going to be brought in at a at a very <laughs> difficult time. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, when you bring a pastor in at a very difficult time, it's not related to spicy peppers. Yeah, it's like being born six years before the great depression it's like you wish you were just still one and you don't you didn't have to really yeah, cognitively to. wrestle with the stress of it <laughs> that's exactly what it's like that's exactly what it's if you don't know what we're talking about our last monday update for south valley it's on our youtube um isaac made me kevin stan eat a bunch of really spicy peppers it was a pretty good time also if you didn't see it last week's theology thursday we had a special guest Tyler Grimaldo, who um, is a former Jehovah's Witness who came on and talked all about Jehovah's Witness theology. Super good episode if you uh, if I don't if if I don't say so myself. That's what I'm trying to say. Hey, before we get into the content, we got to tell people where we ate. Today. Oh, we had some good we food got, today. We it's so, it was really so good, good that we took a picture to we show you guys. Of it. Me, Kevin, Isaac, and Juan Murillo, who's the pastor of Centro Hispano. We went and threw down at. <laughs> I know it's called Vallarta, but is there another word before that? I think it's Puerto Vallarta. Yeah. Isn't it? Just yeah, it's just yeah. All it's I know. On, okay, here's the the deal though. Put that picture up back. Here's the deal. Yeah, it's on Monterey. Mm. Um, I'm sending customers there, and I'm going to show the people who own that this video, and try and get a sponsorship. <laughs> to be clear, the only reason we're showing you guys this is so that we can show the owners of Vallarta that we showed you this. Yes. To hopefully get some free empanadas or something. We just want to be sponsored. Official Theology <laughs> Thursday sponsor. I actually had an offer to sponsor us this week. I just remembered. Oh, man. There's it's a guy who does a thing called Dudes and Dads. It's like a theology thing for dads and their kids. It's a local thing in the yeah, area. Yeah, I'm already about it. He said something about t-shirts and coffee cups. I was yeah, like, done deal. Done deal. We're, I mean, we, you could just make a little pen with your name and I'll, <laughs> I'll make it. But if Vallarta will give us some of that delicious free seafood that we had today. Yeah, I'm looking for, for like one free meal a month. Like like langostinos or Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that that's that'll do. Cool. So that's the main thing we had to do today, but with the rest of our time. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's check in with Kevin. Kevin, um how are you feeling after the giant seafood feast we had? I'm doing good. It's really questionable. Good. It's so delicious. But it was tasty and their salsa is super legit. Yeah, it's on it's on Monterey Road in Gilroy, California, like like south of Seventh Street. Yeah, close to tenth, probably between seventh, probably between eighth no. and tenth. Is it between? It's 8th? right at. It's right almost at tenth. It's a it's yeah, about almost a, at tenth. Football field down. Robert Bengal, um, let let us be clear, we're not joking about the sponsorships. <laughs> Why would I joke around about that? <laughs> we would never joke about something this serious. True story. When I was in a band, we got uh, sponsored by an energy drink, uh, which was they were good energy drinks too. Steez, right? Steez, yeah. They were one of the first people to use Stevia uh, in energy drinks. And you could still buy them like at Safeway and stuff. They're really good. I just remember getting 
like a few cases of them for this little short like, like trip we were doing. Like, we're famous. And I was like, dude, we're so famous. But also, <laughs> I'm the one who emailed this company and asked for the sponsorship. No one else in the band knows that this actually has occurred. So I could just keep all these mm. for myself. Did you? No, I actually... I told them they would just wanted to sponsor me as a lead singer because no one else cares about the, you know no one that's knows, true no one knows the drummer. I mean, the only reason I remember the name Steez is because so my brother was in Isaac's band, and uh, my dad used to rock a Steez hat all the time. Oh, because they sent us some hats. Because they sent too. free hats, but they were kind of dad hats. They were dad. And hats. And so I remember you guys were like, "Oh, dang it, we can't wear these hats. They're not cool enough." Yeah. Sorry, Steez, if you're watching. <laughs> Actually, Steez, <laughs> hey, we would love for you to sponsor the show. <laughs> It's got to be. Your name's already on a form somewhere. Exactly. All they yeah. do is they erase, expose the flaw, and write theology yeah. Thursday and yep. send the energy drinks on over. Um, all right. That is truly enough talk about sponsorships. We're wrapping up our series on, on false teachings today. We're going to talk about something called new thought. Before we do that, oh, Michael Perez wants to know the band name. That's important. Uh, that'll, that's, that'll cost. You got something to sponsor with? with. <laughs> You don't want you don't just want a couple more plays on iTunes for no. your for your old music. All right, so I'm sure um, it'll come up in the chat any second now. Quick announcement, important announcement. Um, next week's Theology Thursday will be the last episode for a little while. Not the last episode period, but the last episode for a little while. We're going to take a break for the holidays. Um, so two weeks from today is Thanksgiving. So mm-hmm. that'll be the start of our break, and then we're going to break through December. Um, Because it's the holidays, we got a bunch of crazy stuff going on at the church here, and most importantly, Isaac's going to be having another baby during that month at some point. Some point in December. At some point in December. Hey, thunderous applause for Isaac's new baby. It's baby number seven or eight, I think, at this point. After after three, you lose count. You stopped counting. So yeah, so we will miss you guys for that month. um, But you know, please make all your comments about how sad and miserable you'll be without us being here for December. to make us feel good about ourselves. And then we're during that time, we're going to be making plans as far as what we're going to do going forward from there. But we'll, we will not be meeting or broadcasting after next week for the mm-hmm. month of December. All right. And next week is going to be, oh, Lauren Carmichael wants to know boy or girl, but Isaac's a hippie. We never find out. So you will have to wait. This is a teaser <laughs> for Theology yeah. Thursday. Um, Congratulations are coming in for Isaac. So next, this is the last episode of our False Doctrines series. And next week, Mm -hmm. it's going to be a one-off, kind of a Christmas special, where we're going to talk about a bunch of Christmas misunderstandings and myths um, surrounding that holiday. So, you know, is that the actual day Jesus was born? Is it all based on pagan holidays? That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. How many wise men were they? Were there? Were they kings? 17. 17. Now, if you guys uh, have questions things you've always wondered about Christmas and how it relates to the biblical story of Christmas or theological questions, please send them our way and we'll try to get to those next week as well. Um, Kevin's going to wear a Santa hat. I just decided right now. So um, that'll be, that'll be great too. Jacob says, I'm glad our sadness brings you joy. It doesn't make, bring me joy, Jacob, so much as just make me feel important. And I like that feeling. Jacob, I like when you're sad. Yeah, it totally brings me joy. Brings Isaac joy. You can't tell from his face, but that's a joyful Isaac right there. Show, show, yeah, that's Isaac filled with joy. <laughs> it's true. See, it little, is true. A little smirk right there. See it? A little bit. It's just a little bit of joy. 
All right, so new thought. This is a, a complicated, I mean, a lot of the systems of thought that we've looked at have been complicated. This is a particularly yeah. complicated one um, because it's a really big umbrella term. New thought itself officially started in the mid 19th century with a guy whose name sounds like he'd be a Harry Potter character. Mm -hmm. His name is Phineas Quimby. It's his real name, Phineas Quimby. I um, mean, he was originally a hypnotist, but ended up um, teaching some a, a variety of beliefs that became known as a new thought. Now, under the umbrella of new thought, it's also called the mind sciences, this kind of collective set of ideas. And under that umbrella, there are a bunch of organized systems of belief. The Probably the most famous one would be Christian science. Um, would, would you say that's the most famous yeah, yeah, official yeah. Uh, belief? Yeah, I think so. There's other ones, though. There's one called Unity, for short. It's the Unity School of Christianity. The Science of Mind and Spirit. We'll see a lot of their videos today because they they're kind of the most prolific mm -hmm. in their video production. Um, and so it's it's a even more so than the other beliefs we've looked at. This is a broad spectrum of ideas. Um, they have some things in common that are the things we're going to be focusing on. But you know, each different school of thought might teach it slightly differently. Mm -hmm. So the disclaimer up front is we're going to be showing video clips. Most of them come from the Science of Mind and Spirit. Um, so don't think that. These perfectly accurately represent all new thought schools exactly the same way, but the general ideas are going to be the same. Um, now, if I if I was to say the kind of general shared belief, well, actually, let's let the videos do that for us. Yeah, um, but there are that. shared beliefs between them about God. One thing, though, before we show videos that I, I do think is important is when you say the mind sciences and even names like Christian Science and um, what's the what's the other one called Science of Mind and Spirit. These sound kind of like scientific. I'm a Christian. I like science. Yeah, I like science. I like the mind. Um, just know that by their own admission, in most cases, mind science religions and belief systems are not really scientific or super intellectual. It's They're like actually, pop punk. It's not pop or punk. Yeah, it's just, it's they're lying on both fronts. Oh man, I really, I like that yeah. a lot. It's it's just a betrayal of words. Mind science, uh, Jacob is going to be really sad about that, by the way. He's a big fan of pop punk. I bet he is. <laughs> Jacob already gave us a thumb down. It's entirely possible that he, somebody gave us a thumbs down recently. That's okay. Um, thanks for stopping by. Now, again, I'm not I'm not saying that to be deprecating towards them. Just understand this: the it's a it's actually a very abstract, very philosophical system of beliefs. And so you're going to see that mind is not about your brain. It's really about the God as kind of this divine mm -hmm. mind idea and your ability to fit yourself into that. And science is, is more about kind of metaphysics and abstract spiritual ideas. Oh, there was the oh, a second, second thumbs down. A second thumbs down. Dang. That's now, right. um, okay. One more thing before we show videos here. Um, actually, no, no, I'll save. No, I will. This is not wishy-washy. I'm being right now. Mm -hmm. New thought is not something that it's particularly likely that any of you guys are like going to get invited to a new thought church. Although there are new thought churches around, yeah. there's a Christian science church here in Gilroy in every major city. Um, but I'm not particularly worried as a pastor that you're going to like become a new thought Christian. What's much more concerning and what we'll talk about along the way and at the end is elements of new thought beliefs that have begun to infiltrate Christianity. And so you'll, we'll talk about those kind of as we go, uh, but just know some of these these ideas, which are very foreign to Christianity, have started to kind of weave their way into yeah. first progressive Christianity, but but eventually, you know, trickling down to the average evangelical yeah. Christian. 
All right, should we jump in? Yep. We'll jump in. And, and as usual, this will become clearer as you hear more and more examples. Now, our teaching then actually is a blend of Eastern and Christian mysticism. And we also bring into it the deep mystical teachings of all the faith paths, which is why on most Sundays you will hear us bless all faith paths, the deep truths in those paths, uh, because that's what sources what we're all about. We often call it the golden thread of truth that weaves throughout all of the various paths. And this teaching is also meant to be a very practical spirituality. You know, something that we use in... So we can pause there because that's a lot already, right? Now, there's Sunday services. It looks a lot like a church. This is Dr. Roger Teal, by the way. We probably should make a note on that song, though. Because did you guys notice how weird that music was? Yeah. Like, it could have been like, we've combined Eastern mysticism with Christian. And it probably could have put like... It was a little awkward. So we're acknowledging that from the front. Yeah, that's, that and, and that's worth pointing out because we're going to show, this is a long video and we're, and throughout the night, we'll look at a couple of different sections and the music changes throughout it. Um, but just to be completely straightforward, it's it, still equally bad. It never matches. So it's like never the guy who's sense. making the new science video, the, the new thought videos. I mean, he's getting 15,000 views, so it's hard for me with my 400 views. Uh, Being Theology Thursday, man. Yeah, maybe we need some. Yeah, we need that guy instead of Kevin. That's. That's what we need. <laughs> we need so, that dude, man. <laughs> so right off the bat, you noticed, hopefully, some gigantic differences between historic Christianity and new thought spirituality. It's, it, this is a incredibly open and inclusive. It's like a coexist sticker as a religion. You know the sticker I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like a, a, a Las Vegas buffet. Yeah. You know, if you've ever been to a Las Vegas buffet, there's like sushi... Barbecue chicken, hamburgers, pizza. It's a little bit of everything for everybody. And you just, the your plate welcomes it all. Yeah. And so there, there is a, this is a great example right off the bat, first of all, of a gigantic, you know, departure from mainstream Christian thought, which they are not apologetic about. So I'm not saying anything that they wouldn't be okay with. Um, but it, it also shows a, a kind of, line of thinking that's exactly the type of thing I was talking about before that is in danger of infiltrating the Christian church. Yes. Which is Christians obviously are kind towards and loving towards people of our faiths, mm -hmm. but they're of all faiths rather, but there's a giant leap that you have to make to then say all of them are accessing the same fundamental truths mm -hmm. and all of them have valuable things to contribute to your truth claim. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you think of as kind of like appealing to the modern person in a way that could be dangerous for a Christian? Yeah, absolutely. Because most people, most people in American culture don't want to tell someone else their religious views are wrong. Right. Um, and so this is a way to kind of, kind of people please. You never have to, to you know, tell your friend, oh, I, I, I think what you believe is wrong. Or if you don't believe how I believe, there's a problem type of thing. So it's very much... Um, part of the kind of cultural praxis of the day. Yeah, and we, me and you earlier were talking about a kind of nerdy philosophical world that word that I actually only learned this week. That that's it's this is slightly different than straight up pluralism. That's mm -hmm. the claim that all religions are the same. Um, most practitioners of New Thought don't think all religions are the same, but they think they're all kind of accessing the same ancient ultimate truth in different ways. Mm -hmm. So they're all equally valid, but they're not necessarily the same. That's a belief called perennialism. Um, I don't know that even, you know, 
the average person who subscribes to New Thought would call themselves that. It's kind of an uncommon term. Like I said, I've never even heard it until this week. Yeah, like a Christian isn't, you know, there's Christians who wouldn't be familiar with saying, well, I'm a monotheist. Right. Even though that's true. Or a super lapsarian. Yeah, exactly. So again, it's this idea that throughout history, there are truths that have been discovered that are still just as much applicable today. They're universal in nature. It's really weird because it's like objectivism and subjectivism at the same time. Right. It's subjective in that like all the, it's pluralistic in that all these religions have, have different truth claims and they're all claiming some, some truths that are actually true, but um, it's extremely objective because all of these things are kind of like eternal truths that are unchanging. Right. And the big problem that you run into logically with that is that the claims of Christianity, which that's the one I'll speak to because it's the one I'm most familiar with, obviously, require that the claims of other religions be false. Yeah. If the claims of Christianity are true, then the claims of Islam have to be false. And that's true the other way around. If the claims of Islam are true, then the Bible's incorrect and Christians are wrong. And so um, there's a, you talked about this on a prior episode, but there's almost a condescension to this whole idea that oh, it's all actually accessing the same basic truth when meanwhile, all of us who are adherents of these faiths go, no, they're not. These these truths are not yeah. compatible. It's like you go to college and your professor tells you, um, speaks to the Christian and the Muslim in the room and go, well, actually, um, you've come here to this institution of higher education. I'm here to inform you that you guys both believe the same thing. Right. And it's like, well, I've been reading the Bible whole my whole life. I've been reading the Quran my whole life and we sure never thought that before you had us enlightened. Right. Us. We've got thousands of years of history that beg to differ with that that yeah. idea. It's like you we actually intended to have a picture of this, but totally slipped my mind. It's like the old um the blind men and the elephant metaphor that yeah. gets used quite a bit of all these blind wise men who are all feeling an elephant for the first time and each of them is touching a different part and they're describing the elephant yeah. and one of one them grabs like, the tail and it's like this is this is a rope and then another blind wise man grabs the the one of the legs and it's like this is it's a, a tree, tree trunk they touch the side and they're like oh it's like a big boulder yeah and meanwhile while that's all happening that you know the official version of this is much more poetic than i'm making it sound right now but the uh, the rajah who's the ruler of the area comes out and looks at all of them and he says, don't you all see you're all touching an elephant? You yeah. all just have different parts. Um, and again, the, the kind of inherent condescension of that worldview is even present in that metaphor. Because yeah. you who ascribe to that metaphor are saying that everyone else is blind and yeah. you're the only one who can see the whole The professor elephant. in the classroom who just told all the students, well, actually, you're all just experiencing some religious th- truth through your tradition has just arrogantly claimed that they're the only non-blind person and right. they indeed have an objective, correct view of reality. Right. Well, everyone else for all these years just happened to be wrong. You're just a blind guy touching an elephant's tail. The number of times I've used that insult. All right, let's move on to the next one because this gets more specifically to that issue. I actually believe that there are twin sins of religion, if you look at history. The twin sins of religion are absolutism and authoritarianism. Absolutism, the the declaration that there's only one teaching or one valid truth, and all others are invalid or inconsequential. Now, that kind of... Now, Isaac likes the thumbs down. I can almost guarantee... I want that's thumbs down to that video, but, <laughs> uh, but you, you get, you get what he's getting at there. It's basically sim- it's similar to what we just said. He goes, Hey, that when religions get into trouble is when they make these absolute claims, it's almost like in, uh, 
Star Wars when Obi-Wan says, wait, is it Obi-Wan who says, only, only the, Sith the Sith deal, deal in absolutes? absolutes? One of the dumbest lines in Star Wars history. Just saying. <sighs> is the claim that only the Sith deal in absolutes an absolute claim? Anyway. Yep. But well, that's 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 the issue. Is right. He's saying it's it's a bad thing to make absolute claims. Well, that's an absolute claim. It's it's a self-refuting statement. Yeah. Otherwise, why are you saying it? Don't waste my time with stuff you don't believe is true. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, Jacob just said the same thing as you, because probably because of the time delay, that these things are so self-refuting that, hey, the only thing, the sin that religion makes is to make absolute statements. Now, the kind of number one question you want to ask is, is this, do these folks consider themselves to be Christians? And here we have another... Um, expert in the new thought movement, Dr. Michelle Moreno. We'll see a few videos from her as well. This is a longer clip. We'll probably just pause it and comment on different parts, but she's addressing directly whether or not they consider themselves to be Christian. Ernest Holmes, who we speak about a lot here at Mile High, he really said to us very clearly that while he felt that we were Christian, he also reminded us that Jesus himself was not Christian. Jesus was not promoting Christianity. That came later. Jesus was promoting a life where he promoted people to be in touch with the divine within them, the father within that doeth this, these good works. And so Ernest Holmes... If we could pause just for a second there, because <laughs> I know you're thinking the same thing I am. Did Jesus ever once talk about the father within you? It's, it's so bad because it's like, it's the state of our world today. You could just make stuff up right. and act like it's true. And well, you know, I guess it is true. Yeah. Jesus just was promoting that you the connect with the father within you. It's like, can we at least get a, a verse reference yeah, where that there, happened? I mean, there's nothing that even comes remote. And did she at the end quote, quote, like, Sort of like in the King James, she said something. The good works inside. Yeah, she said. Let's let's rewind that because I, I noticed that too, and I didn't notice it when I watched this clip before. But she says that, and then she says it as if she's quoting from the Bible. Let's watch this. These good works, and so Ernest Holmes oh, would yeah, even say, "Mine within them, the Father within that doeth this these good works." The Father within that doeth these good so it's works. Like, let me sound like it's in King James, so this sounds like it's from the Bible. Yeah, and that's the thing you like. Really, you've got to be on guard against that kind yeah. of thing. Because like Isaac said, it, this is true everywhere in all forms of communication now that people just make blind assertions. And you you can read, this video has 5,500 comment views and a bunch of comments and you can get people saying like, oh, this is so helpful, thank you so much. And you just have to know, and by the way, apply this to your own pastors. Like, don't just assume that an assertion that's not backed up with some kind of authority, authoritative source rather, is reliable. I mean, this, that's just a, she goes, Hey, no, Jesus wasn't teaching Christianity. He was teaching. And then she says something that Jesus yeah. never said anything about. Yeah. One time I, I spoke really like strongly to, to an audience. I go, one of the problems with giving today is that we've based our understanding of giving off an old Testament principle and a bad translation of the word tithe. It's, it's actually a, a Hebrew term that means 12%, not 10%. So many of you actually have been robbing from God and you need back pay and the church is right to charge entrance on that 2%. And so I, I, I kind of say it real serious at first and the joke, it's People more, get it. but for like three seconds, everyone was like, 
12 percent oh yeah. my <laughs> well it's like one time i don't know if you remember this but isaac was a youth pastor and at the time i was a volunteer and isaac came in to youth group on a sunday morning and he said hey i just really want to make sure that you guys are all aware of this new heretical false teaching that's going around do you remember what i'm talking about no and he just said dead serious he goes you guys need to be on the lookout for this and so i'm really i want to let you know now so that when you see it you recognize it it's false teaching people are teaching that the holy spirit is equal to god the father and jesus and they're huh. claiming to be christians and they're saying that the holy spirit is equal to god and jesus and then you said this is when you double down you said everybody here who who is going to commit to being on the lookout for this false teaching raise your hand and I don't remember this, but this is good. Everyone in the room raised their hands. Let's bring that guy back. And then I, <laughs> you as a youth pastor? Yeah, that's a better <laughs> version of me, man. That's a, that's a strong move. And I'm telling you, everybody raised their hands. And, um, and you were like, okay, so that's actually true. And, and you, basically, you made yeah. the same point that, hey, just because I'm the youth pastor, yeah. you got to double check stuff. Um, so yeah, be on the lookout for that. It's just a great example. And and this general claim she's making is common across multiple, like, you know. It's going to be a running theme of just yes. making stuff up. Making stuff up. Let's let's keep it going. The father within. And so Ernest Holmes would even say to us that he doesn't know of any tradition that was actually practicing what Jesus taught because people have gotten wayward in their their interpretation of the message of Jesus and in their practices as related to Jesus' ministry. So while Ernest Holmes would say that we are part of the Christian tradition, it is mostly because we believe that Jesus was one of the greatest prophets, if not the greatest prophet to ever walk the earth. So she's, so she's going to get into Christology in a second, but before she does, what she just said was, she said it very politely, but what she's saying is, it's not that we're not Christian, it's that we are Christian and all of you guys aren't. Yeah, again, everyone else is wrong. Which is what Mormons say in a nicer way than that, basically, and what Jehovah's Witnesses yeah. say. Um, and the idea is you guys haven't actually been doing what Jesus wanted you to do, but yeah. we are now. Um, and she's going to go, and this is what's so shocking. She's, she says that, and then keep, keep that in your mind when she says this next thing about the identity of Jesus. Let's jump back in. That he taught us about love, and he taught us about the connection that we all have to the divine presence. Where we are not Christian-like is that we have not fallen into or feel that the, the traditions that have us putting Jesus up on a pedestal, putting Jesus up to be something special and different than us, that's not something that new thought or science of mind and spirit really resonates with. While we support and love people who feel that way and we don't criticize them and we don't make them wrong, we just have a different way of interpreting and seeing even the words that are in the Gospels that Jesus reportedly said, where he invited us all to remember who we are and reminded us that it's the Father within us that doeth the works and reminded us that these things that he was doing that we can do and even greater. Those phrases are really important to us and seem to me to be the key of our relationship with that wonderful prophet Jesus. So a lot in there, and she's going to go on, she goes on with more of this, but we can stop it there, about the big difference 
between us and the kind of mainstream Christianity, the thing, frankly, that makes them Christian and, and the rest of Christians not is that we don't go the way of putting Jesus on a pedestal and treating him like he's something special. Mm-hmm. This is really important because it sounds really like dramatic and uh, and like strongly worded here, but this is very common in New Thought. It's It's like one of their central ideas is it's not just that Jesus isn't God. It's that it's a gigantic mistake to treat him like God because the whole point is you are the same thing as Jesus. Jesus is just a human being who accessed that great divine mind in a perfect and correct way. Some of you guys who have been watching a lot of this stuff, um, you'll, this might sound similar to some of the clips we saw from Richard Rohr earlier, because this Mm -hmm. is very much how Richard Rohr also talks about Jesus, that he's a regular person. Um, and he'd be horrified if he found out that people were worshiping him and, and, you know, bowing before him and treating him like he's God and stuff. The problem is when she talks about the words of Jesus in the gospels, the things written down about Jesus in the gospels, there is just absolutely no question that he is being presented as something different than humanity. Yes, for sure. Even a, even a view that doesn't see him as, well, let's take um, Jehovah's Witness, for example. Even even a faith that doesn't hold him to be eternal God still sees him. There it goes, there's something seriously different about Jesus. So with Arianism, Jehovah's Witness, they're still saying, okay, he's the first created beat. There's something special. He's, an, he's you the angel. You can't honestly read the Gospels and come to the conclusion that he's just a man. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's clear he's God, but even if you don't come or share that, let's say you're an atheist reading the text, it's very difficult to come away with. He's just kind of like like us all. Yeah, and then if you have your, you know, if you have a deeper reading going on, then you see him, like we've talked about in the past, saying things like, "Before Abraham was, I am," mm-hmm. right? And recognize, you know, this is a this is a very obvious to them claim of deity, mm-hmm. and they're all over the Bible. Some of them are really subtle. There's a moment like in Mark's gospel when. Jesus, the way that it's written in the Greek that he walks across the water and walks past the boat mm-hmm. is meant to echo moments in Job about Yahweh being the one who treads upon the waves and walks past Job. Mm-hmm. And so all that to say, it, the, the idea that Jesus is not meant to be seen as God has a huge number of problems. But the thing that's the most frustrating is it's, it's stated as if it's just an obvious thing. She goes on in this video to say, all of the wise and good leaders I've known didn't want to be put up on a pedestal. You know, they, they wouldn't want mm-hmm. that. And my response to that is like, yeah, because they're not God. Yeah. It's begging the question. You're, you're, you're assuming you're right. Right. Before you get started because yeah, because any good teacher would not take praise and worship as if they were a deity or a God, but that's because they're not. Right. Je- Jesus is actually seen as that. The other thing that was interesting was she said, um, we just look at the things Jesus reportedly said differently. So one, we're going to look at the words differently than any other other Christians do. And she slipped in the word reportedly. So right. it's more like we're going to look at things differently and we're going to pick and choose what we want. Right. But if I say it nicely, because niceness is one of the chief virtues in our culture, right. not truth truth or backbone or or standing up for what's right, just being nice. She said it nicely. You don't even catch it. We're going to pick and choose what we want, and we're going to see it differently than you, and you're wrong, but we're not going to tell you you're wrong. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's the kind of... She said straight up, we're not going to say that you're wrong. But again, you go like, well... But you're kind of wrong. But is he God or not? And when yeah. Thomas... So, you know, you think of the New Testament, and you have 
Peter and Barnabas, who are not God, um, they get treated like gods in a, in a Greco-Roman city. They're coming out, you know, they're like yeah. Zeus and Hermes are here and they tear their clothes and say, we're not gods. We're not gods. We're not gods. Meanwhile, Thomas, when he t- puts his hand in Jesus' side and touches the wounds in his hands, he says, falls down and says, my God, mm-hmm. calls him God. And Jesus doesn't tear his clothes and go, no, 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 no. I'm just mm-hmm. like you. But one of the lines you'll find in New Thought over and over, um, I don't know if anyone says it in any of these videos, they say Jesus is the great example, not the great exception. Meaning he's the one who is supposed to lead you and show you the way, but he's not exceptional. He's not meant to be seen as special. That ruins the whole point because the whole point is you got to go do what he did and become fully in contact with God. Because you're just as special. Just as special as Jesus. And if that ain't a religion for the 21st century, I don't know what is. Or the next Disney movie. Now, Chris Grimes threw in a really well-written paragraph here that, that's actually, I'll, I'm going to read it. It's got some borderline alliteration. It does. Healing and health. Healing and health promised by this week, science try to appeal to our need to overcome pain and suffering. Jesus is reduced by this, quote, thought. Couldn't agree more. And that's actually, probably a good transition, huh? It is. It actually leads right into the next thing we're going to look at. Um that's a nice smile on that. that, that look, how, look how handsome he is. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a good picture. That's a nice smile. That's a, Grimes, that's a good picture. Portrait mode. That's what that is. That's portrait mode, black and white setting, right yep. there on the iPhone. Yep. Guaranteed. Chris, can you confirm for us that that's just a picture you took with your front-facing camera in portrait mode? Uh, while you type in your answer to that, let's watch this video because this is exactly... Um, Chris knows a little bit about New Thought clearly because he, what he's getting at is this. In what we believe said, we believe in the healing of the sick and the transforming of conditions through the power of this mind. Obviously, we believe that there can be healing that goes forth. In fact, our founder, Dr. Holmes, at one point said, ours is a teaching and healing order. We're primarily here to teach these principles. There's a key to it. There's a key that is all important in this understanding this whole thing of our healing capacity. And it is that every one of us is whole spiritually now and forevermore. Hold on to that. That's important. What this means is the truth of you, the true you, not your circumstances and all the stuff going on in your life, not even your body, but the true you being born of pure spirit is already whole. It will always be whole. It is untouched by all the vicissitudes of life. And that's not an easy one to say, but (laughs) it is not touched by any of the impacts and all that is going on and impinging upon us from all around us. There is the you that is whole now. You may be struggling outwardly. This guy's a pretty good preacher. I got to say, first of all, I think he, I'm going to give it to Dr. Roger Teal. He's a good preacher, good speaker. Um, And he really there um, is highlighting, we're going to talk about their kind of theology proper, their understanding Mm -hmm. of God in a second. But this is core to the idea of the mind sciences, is this ability to heal yourself. Um, Chris Grimes confirmed. Thank you very much. Um, I'm just trying to, because if you can heal through the mind, I'm seeing if I could hurt Kevin through my mind right now. Give it a shot. I'm trying real hard. Trying real hard. <laughs> it tickles. It tickles. <laughs> it tickles. Um, yeah, that that idea of being able to heal yourself through the mind, and you notice it said through the divine mind with a capital M. Mm. That's one of the confusing things about the terminology here because they don't just mean through your brain. Again, mm. they're talking about God as the divine mind. We'll talk more about what that means in a second. But the idea is that by tapping into that and by connecting to your true self, to who you really are, 
and becoming aware of that perfect version of you mm -hmm. that always exists. That's how you overcome the bad thinking, the bad thoughts, bad patterns of thought that make you sick and make you sad and all this other stuff. So it's, it's like self-help on spiritual steroids. Yeah. And again, to make the Disney joke, it's like the answer is discovering your true self and your true self is actually perfect and whole and wonderful rather than it's like, no, my true self is a wicked person. Right. And I need God to restore me, to renew me, um, to make me born again. Because like, if you're honest with yourself and you actually think your true self is just sunshine. Man. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. And we'll see more of that in a second too, because part of their idea is that there's nothing about you disappointing to God either, which is the clip we're going to watch in a second. But that idea of being able to heal yourself, you just you have to be on the lookout for that because this is something, again, when we talk about things that can creep into the church, there are absolutely avenues that the average evangelical Christian can end up kind of falling into some of these ideas about yeah. self-healing. Um, obviously, you're not going to jump straight to that extreme of, oh, there's actually already a spiritual perfect part of me and I just have to yeah. let go of this physical broken part of me. Jacob referenced Gnosticism as having some similar ideas about the good spiritual and the bad physical. Um, and that, hey, you've just got to, you've just got to recognize who you really are, which is quite Disney, frankly. Yes. I mean, you have the moment in the Disney, in the, one of the recent Star Wars movies, we're talking about Star Wars again, where oh, man. the books are burning down, right? They're burning all the old Jedi books. Yeah. And Yoda tells Rey, you don't need those old books. You have everything you need right there inside of you. It's like, but I want, I, w I also want all the old Jedi wisdom, Yoda. What about that? Yeah. I think she did end up keeping the books, which was a, a saving grace. But that's, yeah. that's again, when you see that stuff in culture, that is not, um, that is not morally neutral. The idea of, hey, you don't need all those old yeah, books. It's, it's, it's make, all in you. Yeah, it's making a statement that that, which was before you and the traditions that got you here are, are, are no longer relevant. Right. And there's a spirit behind that that comes out in a lot of things, tons, tons of different things. You could talk about this for hours, but it's, it's behind it is this idea. It's a very arrogant claim that you, you're, you're, you've got it all, you know, and think, think about our culture, how, how even youth and, immaturity is valued rather right. than age. It's like we fear aging and, and maturity at all costs type of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Dina bless asks, do people actually feel comforted by this religion? I would be depressed all the time since I never feel whole and perfect. Yeah. That's definitely an outcome that could happen. I mean, I think, I think the general idea is that part of the teaching is that your kind of bad thoughts, this old way of thinking, all of your suffering exists in your mind because the physical world, in some versions of this teaching, the physical world isn't even real. And so all you have to do is learn how to transcend this physical suffering to get to the spiritual truth of you as yeah. a whole and I'll perfect say, I'll person. I'll say this is everything in our culture is affirming this. So everything in our culture isn't new thought, but um, nothing in our culture is saying the, the real you needs to be worked like the right. needs to be worked on. It's all the exterior things. So, um, Dina, you, you, you might feel that because the second you have an honest look at yourself and an honest conversation with yourself, you're going, I, I got some issues and I got work yeah. to do. Um, but what happens when culture, media, mu music, movies, and your religious, your new newly found religious system are all telling you, no, it's great. You're whole. You just gotta, you know, Brush it off. Yeah. Brush it off. Um, that that can 
that can be an empowering thing yeah. for some people. Especially if you grew up on a practical level thinking, if anything's going wrong, it's not because of you. It's your circumstances. Yeah. It's the people around it's you. Always it's toxic there. thinking. Yeah. Um, and so it's very, very dangerous. Now, let's, let's jump into some of their understandings of God and what God is. Because this is where you can see some of the, the things that look like tiny differences that make huge impacts on your belief. This, we believe in God, the living spirit almighty, one indestructible, absolute, and self-existent cause. This one manifests itself in and through all creation, but is not absorbed by its creation. The manifest universe is the body of God. It is the logical and necessary outcome of the infinite self-knowingness of God. So in that statement, we're introduced to the most essential, fundamental principle in this great teaching, and that is the allness and the oneness of God, of the Creator, of the Spirit, of the Source. Now, we use many names for the divine, and if the word God is troubling to you because of your background, then there are many others to choose from. Find the one that resonates with your heart, the beloved, the spirit, the divine, infinite mind, infinite love, whatever, whatever works for you. The infinite is beyond any words we would ever have for it anyway. And yet what we are coming to understand... Those are words that you just gave to the infinite, right. In a statement such as this is what the enlightened masters have tried to say throughout the ages, and that is, God is really all there is. Okay. So Robert Bingle asked an important question before we discuss that clip. He asked, where are they getting these claims? It's a good question. That's slightly different answers depending on which stream of tradition you're going through, like within New Thought. But typically it's from um, the originators of the belief system. So it could go all the way back to Phineas Quimby, um, or you've heard them mentioned several times, um, a teacher whose name escapes me right now, Ernest something. Holmes. Ernest Holmes. Thanks, Kevin. And, um, and so they'll all have different teachers. They'll write their own books, but it's very esoteric and vague, and there's not really a clear-cut authority structure. What they'll say, though, is that actually, if you understand the deep truths of every religion in the world, they're all teaching this. And so that's kind of like the vague abstract big picture thing is that no the mystics understood through their own experiences the the deeper truths and all of the religions have little pieces of it sort of like we said at the beginning but the like the real specifics of it are usually written in books that were you know less than 100 years old frankly mm -hmm. um but this idea that god this is something called panentheism yeah um, really really quick this is the operating system right like sam, super sam important could break down theism pantheism and panentheism and this is falling into the category of panentheism but this is the foundation on which everything else is built right yeah absolutely and that's why it's so important tyler said that last week tyler said the one thing that really matters is who and what is god and that's exactly 100 percent true now um monotheism which is what we believe is that there's one god um pantheism which many and of you that there's a true distinction yes. is a subject object distinction between creator and creation those yes. are not the same thing super super important that god is distinct from and not contingent upon his creation um we talked a lot about that in the theology proper series way earlier in, in theology thursday so you can go back and check that out if you want to get really nerdy about it but it's very important that he is a um the nerdy word is ontologically different he's different in his very being from his creation pantheism which many of you are familiar with it's a new commonly new age conception of god is that god is everything so every everything around you is actually god it's all god 
Panentheism is a slight nuance uh, to that, which is that God is in and within every single thing all around you. Would you say that's a fairly adequate? Yeah, and this is where it gets really confusing because even as a theist, as a Christian, I believe that God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. Um, And similar to the language they use in that definition, he is not absorbed into his creation. Right. But what typical pantheism is there there are two maybe aspects or parts or components of God. And the created order is is the extended body of the divine. Right. Um, so it's it uses language similar to the classical theism and uses language to also from classical kind of pantheism, but it's really sort of something in between. But at the end of the day, what's important to note is that creation is still somewhat a part of or extension of God rather than in theism. Creation is completely distinct. God can be present, but he's not He's not a part of that. Yeah, we would say there's nothing that is unaffected by God's presence, that mm-hmm. God is everywhere and he is impacting everything the same way the sun shining on a town affects everything it shines upon. But that's very different than the statement we just saw in the video, which is that the entire universe is the body of God. Yeah. Because Christians have a conception of what the body of God is, right? Yeah, it's it's the church. And when we say the church is the body of Christ, we don't mean that in the same sense that right. they're saying. We don't it mean it ontologically yeah. in terms of what of their very being. And so that's really important. And again, you'll find uh, Richard Rohr is a a self-proclaimed panentheist. So he's not apologetic about it. He says it in his books. Um, and most new thought teaching is panentheist. Now let's, let's watch another clip where some more specifics of how this works come out. Because as Jacob said, it, it doesn't sound like a very personal God. And he's right. Like God is the, the most magnificent, unconditional love beyond anything that human beings could ever imagine. And so it's love and it's law. That's what Ernest Holmes, our founder, used to say. It's love and law. It's love in that it is this presence that cherishes every part of creation. There's no being, no experience, no thing that this God presence is disappointed in, that it's it's absolutely pleased with all that is, including you, including me. Pause for a second. Yeah, pretty pretty bad. So um, there is nothing that God presence is disappointed in. Nothing in you that God is disappointed in. And here's the thing. I don't want to worship a God that looks down at me and never sees any type of disappointment or something right. that could be... Because if I, in my finite brokenness, know that I am morally deficient in many areas. A God who cannot see with the same clarity as this broken finite being can see is not worthy of worship. Right. And, And you don't even have to mean that in like an abstract philosophical sense. It could just be like, at the end of the day when I'm going to bed, I go, you know what? I could have been more patient with my daughter today. Yeah. I I don't want a God who goes patient with, Sam today, man. Yeah, you, yeah, you should have. First of all, I got mad, man. He was taking my shrimp at Vallarta. I did. I did spill some. Sh- I actually saved you a lot of. That was fast. Sp- a lot of- <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> I was keeping track, it's man. I, he, I felt like he ate seventy percent. I only got thirty percent. Look at those thoughts in my head. But you know what I'm saying? Like if you, like if I can, at the end of the day, go. You know what? Tomorrow, the reason that I can become a better father is because at night I can reflect and go. You know what? 
yeah, I snapped exactly. at her when I could have been patient exactly. and tomorrow maybe I'll do better. And if God can't do that, if God is just like, nah, man, perfectly pleased. You're so good. Just and by the way, it. that's us who are, you know, we're, we're dudes who are doing okay. Do you want a God who looks upon the serial killer? All the evil in the world. The warlord in, in East Africa, you name it and says, you know what? I'm fine with that. I actually like it. It's good. It's fine. You just feel bad because you haven't discovered your divine spark. That the divine you part have a of better you is understanding of yourself and see the Father within you that doeth thy good works. Yeah, <laughs> doeth. <laughs> now, now think about like for us. That's a that again is an abstract idea. But if this is the, where my brain always goes because I work in missions. If you go and you're trying to preach the good news to a woman whose life has been absolute misery yeah. in East Africa because of evil people who have oppressed her. Yeah. And you say, actually, I've got great news. God loves and approves of everyone and everything. Yeah. So that guy who came and kidnapped your daughter and turned her into a slave, mm -hmm. God looks upon him with nothing but love and approval. Yeah, that's why I'm getting so sarcastic. Is yeah. I'll, I'll try to be genuinely, and, and I want to be respectful, but it is so damaging and so yeah. hurtful. And as it was said earlier in the comments, like the, it doesn't hold... It, if you seriously reflect upon your life, you need a redemption, yeah. a reconciliation, a forgiveness. You don't need to pretend all these thoughts you're having just aren't real. You need a way to, to be restored. And so this just pretends as if it's all okay. And it's like, um, it's like growing up, like some of you have grew up in families where your family was a train wreck, but you fake that it was okay. Yeah. And it was more damaging to fake that it was okay than just to, to own up and say, hey, can we work on our stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And people who have really suffered, ultimately what they want is what they need, whether they want it or not, is the news that, no, there is a God who makes a distinction between good and evil, who hates evil, and who will eventually make all of this right. And by the way, you've done evil too, but you can be saved from it because yeah. he's a good and gracious God. That is so much better news than no God, man, God's, God is equally happy mm -hmm. with the murderer and the rapist as he is with, you know, the school teacher down the street. So anyway, um, let's see. I think there's a little bit more from this video and then let's see. It's getting me worked up. And at the same time, it's principled in yeah, that it responds to us, that we've been made in the image and likeness of it. And therefore, we can think and speak our word and have intentionality and set energy in motion, utilizing our Godhood to create the life that we would like to create individually and collectively. And so so that's a good way to put, we have some more video clips, but I think we should stop with the videos there because there's something else I want to discuss. And, and she really put a good kind of bow on it there by just reiterating the main point that you can, by tapping into that God mind with your mind, mm. you can, you know, manifest the life you want, become the person that you actually are spiritually. Yeah. And that's kind of the basic idea. So we can summarize some of what they say in the other videos, which is, of course, there's no hell other than, you know, the hell state of mind that you create yeah. through bad thinking um vague about the afterlife and there's nothing to be saved from so there's no system of soteriology it's just you need freedom from sal salvation is you're being saved from your misconceptions about yourself right yes exactly you got it you can save yourself from bad thinking that's what salvation is but there's no sin problem there's no judgment there's just you gotta you know be happy i like it be nice. It, it really is. I mean, not to, not to retread what we just said, but this is a belief system for not to use a word that's bandied about a lot in culture right now, but mm -hmm. this is a, this is a belief system for the privileged. 
Yeah, Truly. If, if you if you wake up in your multi-million dollar home and you have all the material things that you've ever wanted in life, all your bills are paid, you have a fridge full of food, but you're still unhappy with life. This is the religion for it's, you. It's just bad thinking, man. It's just bad thinking. But if the tyrants at your doorstep um, violently oppressing you, it's like, no, I can't think my way out of this. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Everything's been taken from you from hunger and sickness and evil people. You need a, a rescuer. Um, and again, the main point, the main point isn't what you want or need, although that is important. But the point is, um, to Robert Bengel's question earlier, when you have detached yourself from any real system that includes within it some authoritative source. Mm -hmm. So the reason that me and you can have a conclusion to an argument about theology is because yeah. we both have agreed that the Bible is the ultimate source of yeah. authority. Um, without that, man, we're just, we're throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, we could be wrong, but at least we're trying to be consistent. Right. When you say we look at the teachings of Jesus differently, the reported teachings of Jesus, it just becomes, well, you're getting to pick and choose whatever you want. And then from whatever you picked and choose, you get to interpret. There's, there's nothing that is guiding that hermeneutical uh, process. So it's, it's not good, but it sounds really good. It does. And so on that note, and that's, that's why I, I wanted to save the last 10 minutes here, because we mentioned at the top, um, there are ways in which some of these types of thinking can start to infiltrate a Christian's individual life, a Christian church, yeah. church's teaching. Um, some of it is in the form of books written by people who, to be completely frank, say they're Christians, but actually are closer to new thought than Christianity. Yeah. Um, but some of it's just kind of stuff that's in the cultural milieu. What are some of the things that you think are? Yeah. Well, one, as we joked about, you're, you're you know, you're really truly just perfect the way you are. There's yeah. nothing to be disappointed in. You just need to think differently about yourself. Yeah. Now, again, as you said, you're not going to get deceived. Most likely you're not going to be deceived going to a new thought church. But you hear in all those messages, especially among young people who are being saturated with that type right. of messaging, you know, always follow your heart. You're perfect. You're whole. You're fine just the way you are. Um, that's there in our culture. Yeah, and if Christians, I could, Christians believe this stuff. If I could be brutal and name names here. Um, Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> Can you imagine if I was just like, Kevin teaches this yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, bring up that sermon clip Answer we got for yourself. Bring up um, that I got one more clip. <laughs> no, um, a, a hugely popular book that has been, in my opinion, massively influenced by this way of thinking. I'm not ready to say it's a new thought book, but uh -huh. massively influenced is Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis. Mm. So I haven't read it. Um, my wife read it, talked to me about it, um, but hugely, hugely influential book, but it's an example of the type of teaching that that is basically in a much more subtle way than these teachers were showing you videos yeah, it's of. Not, it's, again, it's not going to be full-on new thought, yeah. but it's going to be those elements of like, you're actually okay the way you are. You just got to get out of your own way. Um, and I'm telling you, if that's the message you're getting, this is different than Christianity. Christianity is, you know, the beautiful good news that it's Tim Keller puts yeah, it so, Tim Keller thing, yeah. so eloquently that you're actually worse than you thought you were, but more loved than you thought you were at the same time. So it's not, it's not bad news that, well, you just suck and that's the end of the story. Mm -hmm. It's no, you're, you are horrible. In your, and you know that about yourself. That's why this this stuff is so deceptive. Yeah, deep down, you long for forgiveness and reconciliation because deep down, you know wrong has been done. Yeah. And you can invent a religious system, read a book, do whatever you can to convince yourself otherwise. Yeah. Wrong has been but, done to you and you have done wrong. But the se I mean, just pastorally, the second I start talking about shame with people, you feel it on their body. Yeah. 
um, because of wrongs they've done and wrongs done to them. Like it's, and our culture just doesn't want to deal with that at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's big time in the, in, in influence kind of our culture. Um, another one would be, kind of the power of positive thinking, yeah. which there is truth, like everything there's truth to. Like if you wake up and you have a bad attitude, guess what? You're probably going to have a bad day. Is that true for you? Uh, I don't know. I've never woken up with a good attitude. I was going to say, if that's true, you've probably never had a good day. I've never had a good day. <laughs> Y'all should see Isaac in the morning. Um, Isaac takes a good 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but yeah. so there's truth to thinking positive and having a good attitude, but that that could almost manipulate the physical world. Right. This is, this is, is something like in the secret, right? The idea of, um, what's the term for that? Uh, the law, law of attraction. attraction yeah, yeah. The law of attraction that you can manifest things into the world through your thinking and through your perspective. It's yeah. like the, it's the like, write it on a whiteboard and look at it every day and it will come true yeah. kind of thing. And there's here, I'll get spicy. I'll get spicy with okay, this. I like it. It's like anything. There's could be a good version and a bad version. So take something like, um, uh, I have a lavender stick, and it, you know it's, you, it's like lavender you put on your head. Yeah. And it's like oh lavender before you go to You're bed. You're talking about essential oils. Lavender uh, essential oils. Yeah, like, but it's like it's a, a little glue stick. Yeah, it's like a little glue stick. And I'm like, man, this stuff smells good. And you know maybe it helps me fall asleep. I don't think it does because I don't ever fall asleep. <laughs> at like you ain't using enough of it. No. Yeah. But but the point is is like do. Th do elements in the world do things in the physical world? And the answer is yes. Yeah. Medicine does stuff. Essential oil, lavender helps you fall asleep. But there's also this kind of like level where you take it to to the next level. All of a sudden it's almost like, it, you know, if you mix this smell with this smell, this, this magical thing happens. Yeah. And hear me, the physical world can be yeah. manipulated to produce. Right. And we're not blanket anti-essential oils, right? But we're, we're, no, I'm we, actually all about them. I love those, those smells. Again, we're both hippies, dude. We probably yeah. both had essential oils diffusing while our wives were having home yeah, births. Yeah. That's so how he, big of hippies we it, are. Like, but there's a level where it crosses over where you're thinking this is like doing something borderline magical. magical. Yeah. And you see this stuff with like, um, you know, going and laying in the dirt or something yeah, like grounding that. And you're going to absorb energy from the earth to, to, and it's because it's built upon this idea that everything in, in creation is loaded with the divine. So yeah. it's not, it's not just lavender that's helping me go to sleep. This is infused with some type of divine presence that can yeah. do this. So there's a thin line when all of this stuff crosses over. Yeah, and if you're not on guard and I don't want to be alarmist sounding, most people are fine. We got a bunch of essential oils in our house, but you got to know if you're not on guard, the belief systems adjacent to very normal, reasonable, helpful things like this, um, man, they're only one book away, you know, one author or thinker away. And if you're not on guard, I've absolutely known people in the real world yes. who, who literally went from, I'm super into alternative medicine and alternative healing practices in a very normal way, in a way that's, you know, similar to how me and my wife are and jumped the shark into literally new thought religion. Yeah. Truly. Uh, like, like I'm talking about reading the books of and subscribing to the actual beliefs of new thought. Yeah. So again, I'm not saying it's a slippery slope and you shouldn't be, you know, rolling lavender on your face at night. No. Yeah. And maybe, maybe the way to say it is it's not a slippery slope, but if you begin to adopt that foundation that we talked about, then all these things that aren't dangerous easily get incorporated into yeah. this very easily. Um, so that all of a sudden, you know, you're just, 
doing stuff that you, it's it's like almost like magic. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's a great one to be on guard against. And, and again, it, it sort of goes in line with that whole idea of, no, you just, if you write it down and you read it every day and you, you know, fill your thoughts with this positive idea that I am going to become an author. I'm going to become an author. And all I have to do, if I write it and read it and focus on it, I will manifest it into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not saying don't set big goals for you guys, but man, um, if that is just very far from a Christian's understanding of how the spiritual world works and functions. Yeah. Um, that's magic. It's it just magic. magic. It is magic. Um, I think there's also a general thing to be on guard against, um, ideas about God that become increasingly vague and, and have him as this oneness and kind of connectedness being the main yeah. theme. Um, cause again, like you said, in Christian theology, God is everywhere. We talked about it in theology Thursday before, but, um, we talk about God's omni omnipresence, this non-spatial mm. ubiquity that he is everywhere, but that's very different than a panentheist idea that everything is a part of God. Yeah. Um, and so what you'll notice, and th- this is probably the key difference is when the sort of focus and emphasis is on you being a part of God rather than God being everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's when you've started to get into trouble because th- the frame of reference has become you rather than God and how you get to be a part of God's actual self. And maybe an extension of that to be on guard for is we've seen this in a couple sessions of theology Thursday, but when, you know, God, Jesus, spirit, father, oneness, one, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Like Christianity is thoroughly a Christ centered religion. Yes. And I don't mean that like, you know, you go to a church or something like we're a Christ centered church. No, what I mean by that is the whole religious system, the whole structure is centered on the person and work of Jesus. So much so that Paul's message as a first century Jew is not just discover this or know you're perfect, or I'm talking about the the vague spirit in the sky. It's like, I got one message and it's Christ crucified. It's in a historic event. It's right. not a disembodied, ambiguous, vague spirit that we've all come in contact with. It is a person in history who was crucified and resurrected. And so whenever you get that language that's just so flexible, you lose all sense or semblance of actual yeah. meaning. So Christians, we focus on Jesus. Right, and you are in a line of 2,000 years of people who died for their commitment to that name. To Jesus. No one kills someone. No one gets martyred because they believe in the great oneness. Yeah, because you as you're getting tortured, Jesus. you're like, hey, actually, we're just experiencing the same truth just from a different angle. Right. You you think hurting me is good, and, uh, you know, let's we could just be friends. Like, no, yeah. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm willing to die for it. Yeah. So so anything that, that has those kinds of flavors, just something to be on guard for, because, again, it's, you know, it's not like there's no such thing as an inspirational book or a self-help book that's good and helpful. You just want to watch how that influence is is starting to get into your way of thinking about the world. Um, and, I, you know, I'll just throw it out there, especially if you go to South Valley and you have a question about an author or a church or a podcaster or whatever. Some of you go like, is this okay? Is this, what should we be doing about this? Um, reach out to us. We'll send all your questions to Kevin. Reach out to Sam. Reach out to me. I'll forward the emails to Kevin. He'll get back to you eventually. That's how it works. <laughs> Anything else to say before we no, sign off? No, just uh, let's get the picture up there. Picture one more one time. One last time. Vallarta, we want sponsorship. You're on Monterey Street. The food is incredible. Um, Next week, Christmas talk. So if you've got questions about Christmas, send them to me in my email or comment on Christmas this video. Christmas tacos. Christmas tacos. We'll do it. 
Hey, see you later, everybody.